Welcome to Bloom, the podcast where mums share their unfiltered birth experiences. We hope that by listening to their stories, you feel empowered and inspired wherever you are on your own journey. Welcome to Bloom. For Jess, the journey through pregnancy and birth was defined by anxiety and a constant fear that she wouldn't make it to the end with a healthy baby. The fear that something would go wrong at any moment prevented her and her partner from enjoying any aspects of the pregnancy. And whilst Jess is so thankful for her amazing support network of family, friends and midwives, accepting help from them, even from her own partner, presented its own challenges. Jess shares with us her experience of how important it is to prioritise our mental health and seek support throughout this journey of huge transformation and upheaval. And she reminds us that whilst anxiety and fears can lead us to expect the worst, the chances are everything is going to be okay. We talk about mental health, anxiety and a dramatic experience with Avantus. Welcome Jess to the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming and agreeing to share your story with us. Thank you for having me, Amelia. I'm really excited. We always ask our mums the same first question, uh, which is, please, can you tell us your name, your age, where you're from, what you do in life, and tell us all about your beautiful family? Of course. So I'm Jess. I'm 31 years old. I am originally from Coventry in the UK, but I live in Watford now, just outside London. Um... I am an accountant by day and I uh, have been with my husband now for 12 years and we have a nine-month-old son. So I'd love to start kind of at the very beginning. You said you met Owen 12 years ago. How did you meet? Uh, so we met oh, probably second or third week of university. Uh, we were in the same halls of residence and the first conversation we had actually, I think was over, um, I think it was on a Sunday morning uh, when we were both trying to wash the sick out of our clothes from the <laughs> night before. It had been quite a, quite a big evening. Um, and <laughs> we immediately hit it off, became kind of my best friend very, very quickly. And it felt like we were friends for a very long time, but in reality it was about kind of probably six to eight weeks um mm. before we decided actually we actually we actually feel much more for each other than friendship um started our relationship and you yeah, have been together ever since really wow so that fateful morning when you were doing washing together who'd have thought that could bond you together I mean, that definitely wasn't where we thought the conversation was going at the time. We just thought we were being very clever and very economical, splitting the cost of a wash. Who said romance is dead? Well, exactly, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. And so you've been together all that time. How did you feel about motherhood? When did you start thinking you might want to be a mum? Have you always wanted to have children? Yeah, so I think I've known, well, I can't remember ever not thinking that I didn't want a family. Mm. Um that always felt like something that was incredibly important to me um yeah gr- even growing up as a, as a young girl I, I you know I always just assumed I would be a mum when I was older and that that's what I really wanted mm. um and although Owen and I got together when we were quite young uh, I think he was 18 and I was 19 I seem to remember very early on it was quite clear that we both 
wanted a family eventually I mean don't get me wrong that wasn't one of the first conversations we were having at that age in our first year at university but you know it it became quite clear early on that you know long term we both really wanted really wanted the same thing nice and so when did you sort of I suppose actively start make the decision we now want to start trying to have a baby and how did that journey of trying to get pregnant go yeah so I think this is where my story is probably a bit um I don't want to say unique but maybe a bit different from most um I suffered kind of on and off from about the age of 14 with anorexia and that meant that you know when I was in really kind of bad periods and I had a very kind of bad periods of my life and I had a very low weight um I didn't actually have any periods so I would go through stages where actually even if we wanted to conceive it wouldn't have been possible to um but we got engaged in 29 at the end of 2019 and Mm -hmm. I remember one of the first conversations we had was okay when might we want to get married do we want to have a baby first do we want to get married first you know what what is it what is it we're thinking um and we decided we were going to book our wedding for summer 2021 which you know looking back on it was a cracking decision given um, yeah. <laughs> given what happened uh, after that but we didn't make any decisions on would we start trying for a baby before or not and I really really wanted um, myself to try and have a baby bef- before we got married in that period mm-hmm. um, but unfortunately at the start of you know lockdowns I um, started exercising a lot you know I was going out running every morning I think it was my way of dealing with what was going on yeah. Um, yeah. my weight dropped and I stopped having periods mm-hmm. so for about a year or maybe a little bit less I didn't have a period at all so it wasn't possible for me for for us to start trying for a family and it was clear that I wasn't in the right headspace mm. to be to be to be thinking about becoming a mother at that stage um, which was quite upsetting for both of us yeah um, Yeah. because it was something that we both wanted um but I think it was Christmas 2020 I made the decision that Joe I'm going to stop running Mm -hmm. I'm going to you know I'd spent the year thinking there must be some other reason because my weight wasn't drastically low but I wasn't eating enough for for all the exercise I was doing Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd done lots of reading about you know why people's periods stop or become irregular and Owen had been telling me oh yeah it's it's you know my weight and what I'm eating and I was adamant it wasn't Mm. and that Christmas I just remember saying I'm going to stop running I'm going to start thinking more about what I'm eating um and I think it was within you know four to six weeks of stopping running my periods came back oh wow so Um, it was that so so it 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 really was and yeah we both kind of thought for a few months you know what what do we what do we do am I am I in the right mental state at the moment to start you know trying for trying for a baby um plus our wedding was booked for that July wow and having already bought my wedding dress I didn't want to be you know quite visibly very pregnant at the at the wedding um and I think we made the decision in the March to start to start trying so about kind of two months after my my periods had returned um in the uh kind of 
think it, we, we said we'll start trying then because we thought it would take a very long time you mm-hmm. know I've had fears for a very long time that I would never be able to conceive it's one of my biggest it was one of my biggest fears throughout kind of my late 20s especially mm. and I was just adamant it's going to take if we are able to it's going to take us a long time um I was quite shocked when I think after month one um I found out I was pregnant no. um wow so once once your body kind of kicked back into that gear it was ready to go Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, I was in the right headspace. Everything started to come together. Um, It did mean I was 10 weeks pregnant at our wedding, which was um, slightly challenging. Yeah, I can Um, imagine. How were you feeling? Were you getting symptoms? Yeah, so I had been getting, interesting, I'd never actually vomited at all, but I'd been feeling very nauseous all day every day Mm. and I almost felt often like I wanted to be sick and that if I would be if I was sick I would feel better um and I also experienced that real exhaustion that a lot of a lot of women get during that first trimester Mm. um but on the day I don't know whether it was adrenaline or what it was but it was the only day really in 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 that first three months where I felt like me I felt human I felt well so you got to enjoy it (laughs) exactly exactly um and I remember every aspect of our wedding which a lot of other people don't which is fantastic because you weren't drinking because I wasn't drinking (laughs) and actually we had a fantastic catering team um so our immediate family knew at the wedding so our parents and our siblings um and my uh my bridesmaids you know my, my three bridesmaids knew as well um but no, no other friends or family knew. Um, however, we did tell our catering team because mm. whilst they were giving everyone else lots of Prosecco, um, they were plying me with a non-alcoholic version. Perfect. Um, so as far as everyone else was concerned, I was drinking and there were no questions asked. So um, Perfect. So you could fly under the radar. Exactly. Just going back to discovering that you got pregnant, obviously, so you were saying that you had fears for a long time that it might not even be on the cards for you. And then it must have been such a relief when you start getting your periods back. How did how did you discover that you were pregnant? So um, because my periods hadn't been back very long, um, my cycle wasn't massively regular. So I remember the few days before we found out I was pregnant, I was, th- I was thinking, you know, I'm a bit late or a bit later than I would expect, but I don't feel any different. Uh, you know, it was probably a little bit too early to take a test and I almost didn't want to get my hopes up um, and just assumed that I would, you know, get a, get a period in those, in those next few days. And then I think the day before I took the test, I was feeling a bit nauseous and just not not quite right but I also can sometimes get like that just before a period as well Mm. so I wasn't 100% sure um and at that point I didn't actually have any pregnancy tests in the house Mm. um now that was a Saturday and on the Saturday I think it's kind of Saturday afternoon Owen was going away with his mum and stepdad um for a week and he said, you know, you need to take a test before I go. And I said, we don't have any in the house. I'm probably not pregnant. Um, you know, you go have a lovely time and I'll speak, I'll, you know, I'll speak to you in the week. And that afternoon, I thought I'd better go and get some pregnancy tests just in case. Mm-hmm. Went and bought some. And I woke up on the Sunday morning and I just thought something isn't right. Mm. Now, I was on, I was at home on my own. 
um and I just thought I need to I need to just put my mind at rest take a test and it will show I'm not pregnant and I can just you know I'll, I'll stop getting my hopes up so I got up took a test and it was positive <laughs> and I was in shock and this was about seven o'clock on the Sunday morning so then I'm calling Owen who is fast asleep can't get hold of him and I'd organized to go out for breakfast um with some friends so I then about you know an hour after finding out I was pregnant having told no one was going out for breakfast and I pre-pregnancy was a bit of a coffee addict mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. absolutely loved it and we went into this cafe and the strongest smell of coffee just set me off and I was feeling incredibly sick just smelling coffee oh wow, oh, wow. and I thought how am I going to hide this yeah. I can't let on to these people <laughs> that you know incredibly close friends but how I can't tell them I'm pregnant when my my husband before even Owen, I'm pregnant. Yeah. um so it was it was a really challenging yeah well, challenging how did morning. you how did you manage that uh we sat outside Great. um the weather wasn't okay we could sit outside and I said you know what I I'm trying to cut back on coffee a bit I'm drinking a little bit too much I'll just have a I'll just have a mint tea um and then I got home and eventually managed to get hold of Owen. And what did he say? How did he react? So he was staying, they were staying at a cottage in Cornwall, which had, you know, has wafer thin walls in it. And you can hear lots of conversations. So I'm calling him and he's all excited, but he's whispering because he doesn't want, you know, I was, you know, four or five weeks pregnant at that point. We yeah. weren't about to tell his mum and stepdad or inadvertently tell his mum and stepdad. Yeah. So he's going oh my word I'm so excited this is amazing but he's being super quiet on the end of the phone <laughs> he said you should have taken a test yesterday or you know so we could you know really enjoy the moment together but I just was so convinced that I wasn't pregnant I didn't think that there was going to be this special moment then he got home the following week and we could actually kind of celebrate celebrate it together and you said you had nausea then so how did that kind of famous first trimester go what were you experiencing especially in those first few months most of what I had was just this constant this constant nausea which wasn't debilitating Mm -hmm. it was just this weird just this weird feeling that was there all day and I remember if the moment I would wake up in the morning if I didn't have something to eat I'd just start feeling a bit a bit not right and I tried all those old wives tales of you know ginger biscuits and ginger mm-hmm. sweets and all these things to try and help and, and you know, nothing, nothing seemed to help me um and I was incredibly tired I think I'd underestimated you know actually how exhausted I would be mm-hmm. I hadn't got my head around the fact that I would be you know, falling asleep on the sofa you know, trying to work but really struggling to keep my eyes open at times um trying to plan the wedding <laughs> oh my goodness yeah how how did you do it (laughs) um luckily I had a very understanding boss who although didn't know I was pregnant at the time I'm quite sure she had an inkling right um and Owen was incredibly supportive you know I'm not sure I would have got through those first few those first few months without him what kind of support was he giving you just being there for me really and I I'm someone who's fiercely independent um Mm -hmm. you know I'm or a control freak some may say Mm -hmm. um I don't really like people doing things for me. But in that fir- those first few months, I'd say to Owen, I had a real craving for eggs. Mm. And I was obsessed with wanting to have fried eggs. And I don't think I'd had fried eggs for years before that. And mm-hmm. I definitely haven't had any 
since kind of that first trimester <laughs> but I'd just say I really fancy a fried egg sandwich you know and I was struggling to get up off the sofa is there any way you could you could make that for me or you know things like that or just being there and you know, listening to me moaning about feeling rubbish because you do exactly and you know I felt awful moaning about it because you know this was all that you know I'd ever wanted myself and I know that's all Owen had ever wanted but you know he just listened and was there and you know was my well as always was just my my rock in in those first few months and then moving moving into kind of second third trimester did you kind of feel um an evolution in what you were experiencing um did did the sickness continue or did the tiredness or or were you experiencing new things as you moved into those kind of later months yeah so I was quite lucky really because after those kind of I think by the time I hit 12 weeks I suddenly stopped feeling stopped feeling sick um I was tired quite a lot but just because I was busy it wasn't that real exhaustion that I'd been feeling before but I think what changed in those kind of that second those second and third trimesters for me was kind of my mental state Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that first month or those first that first trimester I should say I was kind of thinking this is amazing this is really exciting but I had in my mind let's just you know let's just get to that let's just get to 12 weeks mm-hmm. let's just get to the end of the first trimester and then really get more excited about it right and I'd kind of I almost was more relaxed in that first trimester because I thought things might go wrong but if it does that's okay you know it's very common and I was quite relaxed about things and as I moved into the second and third trimester I suddenly became aware that it's not just in those first 12 weeks where things might not go to plan there is the chat you know the whole way through pregnancy there is the risk of something not going to plan that might put the life of of you know our unborn baby at risk and your body goes through so many changes when you're pregnant and every time a kind of new feeling happened something you know a little bit different happened with my body I went into complete and utter panic that Mm. I must have x y or z wrong with me you know there must be a problem with the baby you know I was convinced that whatever happened to me physically was a sign that there was something there was something you know about to go wrong um and one example without without wishing to overshare no please do (laughs) I ended up in hospital a few times especially in the second trimester um because I was convinced my waters had broken mm-hmm. and the problem when when you start googling is you see all these stories of people whose waters break early and what that means right and I was convinced that that was what was happening to me and I must have gone to hospital four or five times to be checked out because we thought my waters had broken or mm. I thought my waters had broken I should say yeah what it was each and every time um and as I came kind of later into my pregnancy I became kind of much more aware of it is that some women just get a particularly high amount of discharge when they're pregnant yeah so I was just getting a lot more discharge than I've ever had before and and I was convinced that was my waters breaking because I didn't know what it was yeah and of course it's all new I mean you've not experienced this exactly and you know there are certain things you might read in a pregnancy book like you might read about um you know uh, kind of growing pains and, and, and things like that and the cramps that you might start to get across your stomach but the first time that happens your gut reaction is or my gut reaction certainly was there's something wrong because I've not experienced this before is is it that pain or is it something else mm-hmm. you know, even things which were exciting 
became terrifying for me mm. so probably a sign as to kind of uh, how Evan was going to be after he was born and what kind of child he was going to turn out to be but he was incredibly active in the womb okay and I felt him move very early on I think maybe about 16 weeks which as I understood was quite early for a first time mum but I think I was about 18 or 19 weeks pregnant and Owen put his hand on my stomach and I felt Evan move and he, he looked at me and said did is, did, was that just a kick mm. and I said yes and I said but you shouldn't be able to feel that you know the book says that you you know you shouldn't be able to feel a kick on the outside until you know however many weeks and so that we had this really joyous what should have been a really joyous moment where Owen was feeling his unborn son kick for the first time and I pushed his hand away from me and was almost hysterical saying there must be something wrong if you can feel him kick there must be something wrong. Okay, so jumping to almost the worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah every time. Um, I lost count of the number of times I went to hospital for a change in Evan's movements. So often a redu- you know, reduced movement, but also there were some days where it just felt like for 24 hours he was having a party in my stomach. Again, <laughs> a sign of what kind of child he was, go- he was going to be when he came into the world. Um but I ended up in hospital because I thought there must be something wrong because he's not stopped moving um you know and it was so bad that the the amazing midwives in the day assessment unit knew me and I'd walk in and they'd say hi Jess how are you you know is everything okay um because you know there was I think there was one week where I was in there two or three times so is it fair to say it must have been a very anxious anxious time yeah incredibly incredibly and you know actually really I was I was lucky because I, I feel like I was lucky because physically I didn't get a lot of complications right during that right. time um so physically everything was really going I don't want to say textbook but really kind of I guess by the book sure but mentally I was almost on edge constantly waiting for something to to go wrong did, did that alleviate at some point did almost the fact that you moved through the pregnancy did it end up reassuring you at some point or did you manage to find techniques that helped you manage that um, to alleviate some of that fear and anxiety at, at any point or, or was that just sort of ever present and to be accepted I think unfortunately it no matter what I tried it didn't really it didn't really subside yeah um I think it was only really in the much latter stages so maybe kind of 34 35 weeks onwards where you know, in my head I was thinking well if he was born now or if he had to be born now you know his prospects would be incredibly good because obviously I'd looked at all the statistics for the chances of survival for babies born at every single week going Mm -hmm. Um, and also you know the midwives were amazing and could see that I needed that additional support so although um, normally you'd be seen every two weeks in those last few weeks by the midwives I was seen every other week by a mid or every week sorry by a midwife one week I would be seen by my kind of assigned midwife and then the next week I would be seen by a midwife in a specialist team who were there to give additional support to any mothers who need it whether that be for mental health issues or social issues you know anything like that um so actually that just kept me in those last few weeks just a bit calmer because I had that reassurance that I could talk to a midwife once a week about anything that was worrying me they would listen to his heartbeat and it all then became a 
a little bit easier but I would say it's not actually really until I went into labour that I became more relaxed weirdly wow Um, that's interesting (laughs) yeah it was kind of when the labour started it was like oh wow we've got here amazing you've made it we've, we've made it um and I think that very oddly was when things seemed to get quite a bit easier and and what about in those kind of final few weeks in the build-up to giving birth you're especially because you're so visibly pregnant often people get very excited on your behalf they kind of will kind of say wow how exciting you must be thrilled you must be this you must be that and obviously a lot of the time for any mum to be there's nerves and anxiety and it sounds like you had your fair share of that or if not more did you did you experience that and and how did you manage that because actually when you're feeling anxious and when you're feeling worried about something to have someone keep telling you how you should be feeling and I should be feeling excited right now you must be this can be really difficult did you experience that and how did you manage those situations 100% experienced that and I can remember finishing work to go on maternity leave and everyone saying you must be so excited this is so amazing and it was actually just before Christmas that I finished work so everyone was saying wow aren't you excited you know it's your last Christmas as, as just the two of you wow isn't that amazing and I would always engage with it and say you, you know yes it is very exciting you know, we can't wait etc cetera, etc cetera. but inside I was thinking I'd kind of be running through the conversation I would have to have going back to work when you know we didn't make it home with our baby that those were the kind of things that were going on internally you know how will we tell people that Evan hasn't made it home from the hospital mm. it, it was those kind of things that were going through my mind um so I think for lots of people talking to me they wouldn't have known mm. that there was anything other than you know, sheer joy and excitement about the prospect of becoming a mum and although all of that was there I just was so convinced that we weren't going to to get there and, and you know and, and hold him in our arms that I would as I say I'd run through those conversations as to how we were going to say you know unfortunately we don't actually have our baby which is a huge additional burden and emotional pressure for you to be dealing with constantly yeah and it took it definitely took its toll yeah. it really did take its yeah. toll so the the weekly check-ins with the specialist team and with the midwives sound like they really helped Did, were there other ways that you um prepared either physically or mentally in that kind of very much period um leading up to your birth and did you have I suppose particular expectations or did you even allow yourself to have expectations as to how you hoped the birth would be towards during the third trimester we uh, done MCT classes so antenatal classes and just to get more information really on how things worked because I realized that I, we actually didn't know that much about the birth uh, you know actually how do you know you've gone into labor or you know what are the best ways to speed things up or keep you know keep the labor moving I was adamant I wanted to breastfeed but knew nothing about it um mm. so it was very useful from that perspective um and I thought about the type of birth that I wanted and I'd had conversations with Owen about it but I have a real issue if things don't go to plan Mm. so if I've got an expectation of what's going to happen in my head and that doesn't happen it feels like the worst thing in the world Mm -hmm. and that could just be with a mundane 
element of how you know my day is going to go if it doesn't go quite to plan I really struggle with it so with the birth what I said was you know I might I quite like the idea of a water birth Mm -hmm. maybe we could do that and I wanted to try to have as little pain relief as possible but let's see you know let's see what happens so I tried to stay very kind of non-committal about it because I didn't want to get my hopes up that we were going to have a particular type of birth that that then couldn't couldn't happen or you know wouldn't happen for whatever reason I didn't want to feel like you know I couldn't have the epidural for example because that wasn't what I'd said I was going to do two weeks prior right you didn't want to box yourself in exactly exactly um and Owen was incredibly supportive of that and just wanted me to do whatever I felt most comfortable with. That, that's how we moved into it. And then labour kicked off. How did it begin and how did you know it was starting? So we'd been having, the Owen and I had been having the conversation for a few weeks prior about how do you know it's actual labour because I've been getting a lot of Braxton Hicks mm-hmm. in those final few weeks. And I'd sit there on an evening and I'd be like, oh, Owen, feel this or look at this. And my whole stomach would tighten Mm. and we'd be like, is this labour? I don't know. And I remember it was a Saturday night that I went into labour. Owen and I had been for a 10k walk that day because, yeah, uh, we would, I wanted to to kick things off. Um, What I should say is. I had been booked in for an induction the following Tuesday. Okay. Um, the reason for that being, um, although I was only 39 weeks at that point, I had to have quite a few growth scans during my pregnancy and they were worried that um, Evan's growth had tailed off. So there was a risk that maybe, you know, my placenta was starting to degrade or something, something along those lines. So they'd booked me in for an induction on kind of the following Tuesday and I really wanted to avoid getting to Tuesday if we could. Right. So we, right. I say we went for a long walk. Went to bed that evening, and about an hour after getting to, into bed, I woke up in excruciating pain, like I was about, you know, like I was having a period. Mm. And I just went, okay, now I know. <laughs> this is what the start of labour feels like. That's a wake up. That'll be what it is. And I was kind of up and out of bed quite a few times I was trying really hard not to disturb Owen and eventually I just had to wake him up at which point he said why didn't you wake me up you know two hours ago or however long it had been I don't but I I woke him up and I just said I can't I'm really struggling and I'm a bit bit scared yeah um so we kind of we, we were talking things through and then he started timing my contractions and very quickly I seemed to be getting very regular contractions that seemed to be getting very close together Mm -hmm. so I think I must have gone into labor I got those first pains about the nine or ten o'clock on the Saturday night and after speaking to the hospital eventually went in at about 3 30 or 4 on the Sunday morning went into triage to be assessed and I was convinced they were going to say you are you know you're four centimeters everything's on its way fantastic and I was examined and they said actually you're only one centimeter Mm. and I went right and they said but your contractions are incredibly close together everything looks like it's really on its way we'd really recommend you stay in hospital rather than go home because we think things could progress quite quickly if you stay in hospital however your husband's going to have to go home because of covid restrictions I had to go on to the um the antenatal ward on my own wow okay what happened then did you choose to stay yeah I made the decision to stay because that was the advice I was being given by the medical professionals and given where my anxiety was generally I wasn't questioning medical professionals 
at all so despite the fact that logically I knew that if I went home I would be calmer I'd be with Owen things would likely progress more quickly I decided to stay in hospital okay because that was what was being recommended to me so I spent I think it was five hours on my own in the antenatal ward before Owen was allowed in and I think the midwife came to examine me about kind of eight nine o'clock in the morning and I was I was just crying because I really wanted him there by that point things were starting to kind of starting to really intensify um I was in quite a lot of pain and the midwife was fantastic and said look visiting starts in you know I think it was half an hour 45 minutes but just you know tell him to get here as soon as possible great and then he came and joined me so that's a long time to be on your own it is it was a really long time and I can remember I was in a bay of four women or four beds I should say but there was only one other woman in there who was being induced and had been in there I think for 24 hours and she was quite relaxed she was just waiting for things to kind of progress but I was really in a lot of pain (laughs) and I hadn't realised I could ask for gas and air in the antenatal ward. So I was just on a couple of paracetamol at that point. A couple of paracetamol. (laughs) And and what were you doing across those five hours? Were you, I don't know, were you pacing? Were you trying to rest? Were you able to get any rest? What was going on? No rest at all. I could not, I couldn't rest. I couldn't switch off. Um, Even if I felt physically okay and the pain subsided, I couldn't switch off. So I did lots of bouncing lots of bouncing on balls thinking right this is going to keep things moving um lots of pacing um various positions lying on the bed trying to just kind of get comfortable to see if I could rest a bit but really I think that they were the most challenging few hours of the birth or kind of of the labor I should say but just because I was on my own yeah um and I was just very relieved when they allowed when they allowed Owen in because I'm not sure how much longer I could have gone without him I think when he walked through the door I just cried at him and said they need to get this baby out of me now or something along those lines and what did happen when he arrived did things keep moving steadily what happened next I I was I was examined I think an hour or so after we arrived um and they said right we think you're ready now to go up to go up to to, to the delivery suite um now because of because of their concerns about Evan's growth dropping off the advice was that I had continuous monitoring and that I was hooked up kind of for the duration um duration of the labor so they could monitor Evan's heartbeat and again despite knowing that I'd have to be really immobile on the bed for this to happen and that that was likely to slow the labor down I didn't question it and I just said yes we went up to the delivery suite I can remember walking up actually and the midwife said to me look do you want a wheelchair we'll push you up and I was adamant I was walking you know this was going to be my last chance to kind of get a bit of exercise in to stretch my legs I was going to walk up there um it took a long time um but we got there eventually and we got up to the delivery kind of to the delivery suite they put us in our room and Owen set things up so he we'd got a diffuser um he kind of a, I think we'd got my pillow nice. we've got anything out that I wanted right where was the food I bought where were the drinks and he just kind of you made it feel settle in yeah yeah and I can remember you know, we had the loveliest midwife um and I was thinking this is going to be the midwife that delivers our baby isn't that fantastic Mm -hmm. isn't she lovely things didn't quite work out like that because as I thought would happen things didn't progress very quickly so we got up there and I immediately got on gas and air which was like a 
was like a revelation to me I thought it was fantastic um I mean I I was high as a kite on gas and air um and it really got me through those through the contractions and I think you know I became very sarcastic I was making jokes you know I was feeling pretty jovial oh brilliant because it doesn't necessarily work exactly and I you know I really wanted to avoid an epidural if I could um so I was thinking this is cracking loving the gas and air I'm just going to need this to get me through isn't that great and by the time it came around for the kind of my next examination for the midwives to examine and see kind of how far gone I was I think it had been four hours and I'd only progressed a centimetre. Oh, okay. So they were saying, right, okay, things haven't really progressed as we were anticipating. We've got a long way to go. And I was a bit kind of disheartened at that point, but yeah. I thought, you know, we'll get through it. In fact, at that point, they'd also uh, had tested my urine and they said, they said, actually, we think your your sugar levels are quite low. We think you need to eat something. Um, at which point Owen got out a packet of sweets and I completely demolished it. So I was eating sweets between contractions and then during contractions was going on the gas and air. And again, I still felt relatively okay in that moment. And Mm -hmm. I still thought, okay, well, things will progress. I tried to do some different positions on the bed. I got up on my knees and turned round. You know, I wasn't just trying to, I wasn't just lying there. And I thought, great, things are going to really move on. But let's remind ourselves, uh, you know, as much as you were, you're saying you were feeling kind of in a fairly goodish place, this had all started the night before. You've not slept the entire night. And by this point, where are we in the mid afternoon or? So, yeah, this is mid, mid, late, mid, late afternoon right. the next day. So you've not had any rest at all. No. So I've not rested. I think really it was adrenaline. The adrenaline had kicked in and that was what was keeping me going at that point. And the ex- there was a despite the pain of it all you know don't get me wrong I was still in pain and I wasn't sitting there thinking this is easy but I was think I was just so excited that we'd got to that point Mm. I was adamant we weren't going to get to that point so that was there as well and I I I can remember them saying look if things don't really kind of progress much more um as, as as the afternoon and evening goes on we really should consider a hormone drip to speed to try and speed things up and move you along um the main reason being that is that they were worried about um, they were they were worried about how tired I would be, right? Because it was taking a very very long time. Um, I think at that point they broke my waters as well because mm-hmm. uh, my water still hadn't broken um, to try to try to try and speed things along. And again, the evening went on, and then it got to eight 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 p.m. and there was a shift change. So the midwife that in my head was going to deliver our baby mm, <laughs> went off shift. Okay. A new midwife came on. Which can be quite disconcerting. It can. A very different midwife, um, very different personality, but incredible as well. Again, I remember her vividly because I spoke a lot to her <laughs> during that during that evening and she was she was fantastic as well. So then the evening went on and I think it got to about ten o'clock and they said, you know, I think we should be examined again. And I think at this point I want to say I was six or seven centimetres. Okay. So it was over 24 hours since I'd gone into labour. As she said, I hadn't actually slept at that point. And the waters being broken hadn't sped things up as much as they had hoped. So they said, look, we recommend that you have this hormone drip. And also, because that can intensify the contractions and make them much more painful... And because you need to rest, we would highly recommend you have an epidural. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I got very upset because I really wanted to avoid an epidural if I could. Um, but, you know, Owen, I looked at Owen and he said, look, 
you know you're tired you need to rest mm-hmm. you know do you think this is do you think this is maybe the right thing for you and I said you know yes you know yes it is by that point I'd really I was getting I was have I was ha- I was having enough really yeah. so I agreed and then I think within about half an hour I'd, 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 had, I'd had an epidural and, and they had they had me on the hormone drip despite that I didn't really manage to sleep I think I maybe slept for about an hour that night um I think my mind was racing so much um I was worried about Owen because he also hadn't slept Mm. and despite dropping me at the hospital you know four o'clock the previous morning he obviously hadn't gone home and slept he'd been worried about me he would have been experiencing a huge amount as well exactly um I was worried about him and bless the midwives bought Owen a stack of blankets and he made a bed on the floor for himself out of blankets and and coats and things like that and I was worried about him is he is he okay and I just had in my head you know is Owen okay and I kept looking over at him to see if he was all right um but at least I could rest because I wasn't having to manage the contractions anymore mm-hmm. I just could kind of sit there and, and, and be okay and this bit then becomes a bit of a blur because I've not slept since I mean I, I think I'd got up at six or seven o'clock on the Saturday morning and then by now it's you know early hours of Monday morning yeah, yeah. um so things then start to become a bit hazy yeah. <laughs> um, but I was examined again and I was nine centimeters okay and they brought the consultant in as well uh, again I th- I'd met the consultant a few times during the during the night they brought the consultant in again who said look what I think we should do is to push you to 10 centimeters um and then Will, you will think about actually starting to push in, in maybe an hour or two mm-hmm. I should also say at this point one of the reasons they wanted you know, Evan to be born sooner rather than later was that I also was I also had a temperature so they were slightly worried that I may have an infection and they'd started me on antibiotics I didn't have an infection um but the room that I was giving birth in was I think 28 or 29 degrees despite it being January um but obviously they couldn't take the risk they didn't know I didn't have an infection so for all of those reasons they just wanted to get Evan out as soon as possible so the consultant physically pushed me to 10 centimeters um which I didn't know was a thing what does that mean so the consultant kind of used his hands to to push my cervix to 10 centimeters wow I didn't know that was a thing either I hadn't realized it was a thing at all <laughs> but but that that that's what that's what happened and they said you know you're probably going to start pushing in a few hours now i should say as well just before kind of the consultant pushed me to 10 centimeters i could hear evan's heart rate the whole time and it kept dropping and then kept picking up again mm-hmm. now i do know that at the time the midwife was telling me that that was because i was having a contraction every time his heart rate dropped and then it would pick back up after the contraction finished they weren't worried about it mm-hmm. as long as his heart rate picked back up to what it was previously mm-hmm. but if owen had gone out to the toilet or had gone out to see kind of to get a midwife or whatever it would be and evan's heart rate dropped i was crying hysterically that my baby's dying and would cry and say you know I need help I need help I need help so I think that shows the kind of mental state I was in by that point I was completely exhausted I was delirious and I didn't really know what was going on I couldn't take in any information that you know was being given to me because it was just all too much yeah so as I say the consultant pushed me to 10 centimeters and they said it'll be a few hours until you start pushing and I was due another dose of the epidural now I had said that I wanted to be able to feel enough when I started pushing to actually be able to feel that I'm pushing right. I'd read enough right. to know that if I couldn't feel anything that was going on I was more likely to need some some, some sort of intervention mm-hmm. so I said I just 
I'll only have that dose. I'll only have the additional dose of the epidural if we're a while off. They said, look, it's probably going to be an hour or two. We really recommend you have another dose of the epidural. I had that dose of the epidural. Mm -hmm. And then very shortly afterwards, Evan's heart rate did start to drop a bit. Mm -hmm. But they then started to get a bit concerned about it. And they kind of as a team decided that he needed to come out as soon as possible so I think it must have only been 20 minutes after I'd had that epidural dose I had to start pushing wow okay so the opposite of what you wanted really exactly and the other challenge of when I started pushing was that I started pushing I think at about 10 to 8 in the morning Mm -hmm. um there was a shift change at 8 o'clock so I started pushing at 10 to 8 with one consultant and I think I can't remember how many midwives were in the room, but there was at least two. Mm-hmm. I think there might have been some student midwives in there as well. And then there was a shift change. So whilst I was pushing... Oh my goodness, that must have been so disorientating. Completely. And the consultant, there were two consultants at one point. There were two consultants and two lots of midwives at the end of the bed working out who was going to do what. So the consultant that had already been with me said, look, I'm okay to do this. The new consultant that had just come on shift and was fresh said, look, I think I should take over. So they had a conversation between them and eventually it was decided that the teams would change over. Fine. But by that point, I just I just didn't care. And I should say all of these staff, it didn't matter who it was. They were all lovely. So I wasn't I wasn't worried, but it was disorientating and it it threw me off a bit. I also couldn't feel anything really and did that mean you were pushing for a long time how long did it take so evan was born at 8 48 in the morning so i pushed for about an hour mm-hmm. but during that time they were saying you know you need to push you need to push and he evan wasn't just just wasn't making his way down and i was pushing my hardest i can remember them saying frequently push like you're doing a big poo mm. um and then i think i did you know inevitably. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> inevitably weirdly i always thought that would be the weirdest part about giving birth but it just given everything else that had gone on it Pales just in comparison couldn't have cared less and evan wasn't wasn't coming down and the consultant said right i think we actually need to think about intervention here you know we, we, we need we need to get him out and they said look I think we're gonna have to use forceps because he's quite, still quite high up but we will probably have to take you down to theatre to do that just in case um we need to do an emergency cesarean I must say at this point I didn't have a clue really what was going on but they started preparing the forceps the consultant said right come on push again you've got another contraction push again and I did and then he said actually do you know what I think he is far enough down let's try and use the ventouse which is the kind of the suction cup which attaches to the baby's head and they pull him out mm-hmm. bit like a hoover exactly i must say this consultant must have been six way over six foot um inc- incredibly incredibly big built like very muscly and this he was sat at a chair at the end of the bed he'd attached the ventouse to evan's head and he was putting his entire body weight into pulling evan out <sighs> and this was the scariest bit of the entire (laughs) entire labor the von two sprung off there was blood splattered all on the walls behind him and i think i shouted something like he's pulled his head off i was convinced that that is what happened it wasn't it had just dislodged evan was fine oh my the consultant was knocked off balance but my blood was or evan's blood whoever's blood it was was splattered all along the back of the wall oh that must have been scary i was terrified owen was there patting my head going it's all fine don't worry evan's fine um subsequently he told me that he was absolutely terrified at that point and was convinced that evan's head had been pulled off but he was amazingly strong anyway he reattached it Mm -hmm. um and went again 
And just as Evan was coming out, I hear the consultant say, okay, we've got a cord wrapped around the neck. And he was talking to the uh, paediatrician who was there. And at that point, I also started wailing. I think I said something like, my baby's dying. You know, Mm. there was something along those lines. And they were trying to calm me down, saying, no, 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 no. I'm just telling the paediatrician that they just need to know for when they're going to check him over. But he's fine, he's fine. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Evan comes out and starts crying is checked over and is you know right as rain um i mean a lot smaller than they'd anticipated i think they thought he was going to be nine pounds and he was six pounds eight um but you know he was amazing fantastic nothing wrong with him you know was flopped on my chest exactly after all of that he was amazing wow how did that feel you suddenly had him after all of that a traumatic experience and then you had him on you how did that feel everything that had gone before didn't matter mm-hmm. it just you know I was there with kind of my baby on my chest he very quickly latched on to start feeding and at that mm-hmm. point I was in tears thinking isn't this magical I mean at this point the consultant is there stitching me up because I'd had to have an episiotomy which mm-hmm. I, th- I think is is normal course of business when you're when you're having when they're using the Vontus right. uh, to prevent any tearing well had you been aware of that did you know that had happened in the thick of all of this? Yes, they did tell me yeah. that that was going to happen. Um, but again, at the time, it just I was like, what, you know, whatever. Things yeah. were coming at me and I couldn't really comprehend them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, having an epidural, I didn't feel a thing. Yeah. And being stitched up, I, did, I didn't feel a thing. But, you know, it looked like the scene of a major crime. You know, you had blood spattered <laughs> all over the walls. It was Gosh. just, there were so many people in there. But, you know, I was there with my husband by my side Mm. with my son laying on me who was Mm. just you know this angel very very healthy you know I was fine it just you know it's interesting you use you use the word you use the word traumatic I describe it looking back on it as dramatic Mm. I think because at the end of it you know we didn't have a baby who had to go into the special care unit. You know, we, mm. I didn't have any medical complications. We were both incredibly healthy. And yes, I was exhausted. <laughs> and, you know, we had all the trials and tribulations of, you know, being a new mum and having a new baby to deal with. But it, it all turned out perfectly and beautifully in the end. Completely, completely. And I think very quickly, you know, obviously in those first few days, weeks people are asking well you know what happened with the birth and I would explain it and people's face would be horrified Mm. but I'd say yeah but I'd do it again in a heartbeat because Mm. you know second time round I would probably question more what was going on with the medical professionals okay but secondly I I'm incredibly healthy I've you know we've got this beautiful healthy baby yes it was a it's 48 hours of my life that you know wasn't exactly up there as you know the best 48 hours of my life but we had the best thing at the end of it you know looking back on it it almost doesn't seem real like I can remember all these things happening but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem real when we have you know a nine-month-old terror of a child (laughs) crawling around the house trying to climb on things you know knocking himself out on things it almost doesn't seem like that that labor period happened I can't you know that that nine months of anxiety I had or at least you know six months of very bad anxiety 
almost seems like a lifetime ago. Obviously, it's this huge transformation for you, for Owen, for you as a family. First of all, I mean, how was your recovery after all of that? Because you're learning to deal with a newborn and, and learn how to look after a newborn whilst you're trying to recover from everything that's happened. How how was that initial period? And how are you now, um, nine months on? The only thing I really struggled with in those first few days and weeks was you know I wasn't very good at napping I wasn't very good at you know sleeping when the baby sleeps wasn't something I was good at so I was I was exhausted but physically I recovered very quickly um I started getting out walking again very early doors my stitches healed remarkably well you know physically I started to feel back to myself relatively quickly despite being exhausted and we're very lucky that we've got lots of lots of family um although lots of our our family and and friends live far away you know in those first few weeks people came down to help whether that be I can remember um kind of Owen's Owen's dad and stepmom coming down and her bringing lots of food and filling the freezer for us Mm. um or people just coming down to kind of sit and sit and hold Evan so we could try on the odd occasion to nap or you know what whatever it might be I also think I was quite lucky in the sense that uh, you know, I really wanted to breastfeed Owen was very supportive of that and Evan took to that um like a duck to water um so we didn't have any issues there so my recovery was was fantastic and actually in the early days you know I was in quite a good place mentally because I had a plan for after Evan was born where I said I don't want to get scared to leave the house so Mm. you know we were going to start leaving the house very early on um I said to Owen before he went back to work I wanted for us to go out for a pub lunch as a family Mm -hmm. so again I can get more used to going out and doing these things and see that it's not scary to take Evan out into the big wide world um I wanted to drive again um, before I went back to work so I felt like I could drive Evan anywhere if mm-hmm. I needed to so all of those in the you know in the first first few days and weeks months seemed to seem to go quite well um you know and in the early days babies don't obviously have a routine straight, straight out the bat and so I could I could take Evan anywhere really as long as I had my boobs and sufficient nappies we could yep. we could go anywhere um he would nap anywhere which is a time I very much miss but you know it was you know those first few I wouldn't say they were easy don't get me wrong they weren't easy but I dealt with them better than I expected I actually started struggling again probably when Evan was maybe five six months old Mm -hmm. um after being a very good sleeper he stopped sleeping as well um and he started to get a bit more of a routine so then it was more stressful for me if things were out of routine Mm. I felt like I couldn't go and do as much because I didn't want it to mess with his routine so I felt very I started to feel quite isolated quite scared of going out again it's probably Mm. fair to say you know some of the mums might say well let's meet up for a coffee at x time and I'd be thinking well Evan should be napping at that time so I can't go so I'd start to kind of not do things because I was being so rigid with protecting Evan's routine which was actually just protecting myself to have this Mm. stability there and what if anything is or has helped is there anything that you found is helping you sort of break out of those constraints it kind of sounds like you're head building Mm. again 
did yes. anything work so i think it was twofold it was i needed to find myself again mm. um you know my identity had fully become mum so mm. you know if the day didn't go to plan with evan then i felt like i'd failed as a person because that was all i had it felt like now part of that is was because evan wouldn't take a bottle until he was about six and a half months so i felt tied to him constantly mm-hmm. i felt like i couldn't uh, i couldn't leave him until he was six months old he relied on breastfeeding to go to sleep which mm-hmm. meant that you know if he was disturbed in the night Owen could do as much as he could to help me but ultimately I had it, it was all on me I had to put mm. Owen I had to put Evan to bed every night I should say not Owen that would be weird <laughs> and so I became quite suffocated I think and being able to have time away from Evan has been the most amazing thing because it's allowed me to find myself again Mm. but it's also made me realize that if things don't go to plan or if people do things differently to me with him it's okay so Evan now goes to nursery one day a week which Mm -hmm. in part is preparing him for going to nursery full-time when I go back to work but also it helps me to see he spends a day with other people he comes home and yes, he might not have slept as much as I would have liked during the day. They might have done, they'll, or they will have done things differently to me. But he's super happy. He's thriving. The world hasn't ended. And mm-hmm. he's actually, I think, happier for it because he's having a day of doing really exciting things, which, you know, with the best will in the world, I'm, I'm not going to be able to recreate that at, at home. I'm sure that's so relatable to a lot of new mums out there and I mean I just I want to say thank you so much for sharing all of this with us because I feel like there's so much that um, mums will be able to relate to here and thank you for your candour. Maybe we can squeeze in one final question which is now looking back at the whole experience is there anything that you you wish you'd known in advance or is there anything that might have reassured you given the anxiety that you experienced um, and those fears that you've talked about is there anything that might have reassured you now looking back I think the thing for me and I remember Owen always saying this to me but it was right is that the chances are everything is going to be okay Mm. so that doesn't diminish everything that could go wrong and there are obviously lots of risks along the way but just kind of hold on to the fact that everything is probably going to be okay and I wish I hadn't sat there and mauled on things and googled things or whatever else it might be and I wish I just picked up the phone to someone and said is this normal rather than getting uptight about things because and staying in your own head exactly because you know what what I learned was that there's no such thing as a stupid question Mm. when you're going through pregnancy you know I would say as a first time mum but you know I'm sure it's the same second third fourth time mum you know however many children you have I think for me I've learned that there's no such thing as a stupid question if it's going to put your mind at rest well I think that's a wonderful place to end things and thank you so much Jess for sharing your story with us and all all the best for you Owen and Evan as you journey on as a little family no thank you and thank you for letting me share my story and for kind of giving a platform for so many women to share their stories as well i think it's fantastic that's the end of this episode take care and see you next time